0: Never ran on your friends. And always keep your mouth shut. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hi hey, Mom, what do you think? You look like a gangster. I know I'd By the time I grew up, there was $30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idyllwild Airport. Believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm in construction. <laughs> He's not Jewish. Mazel tov. Mazel tov! For most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Hey, Henry, here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Here's a leg. There's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, the leg and the wing? you. To live any other way was nuts. (laughs) We were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. It's going to be a good summer. (laughs) It was a glorious time. In a world that's powered by violence, on the streets where the violent have power, a new generation carries on an old tradition.
1: up at witness protection said he's coming out you know if he's- I,
2: yeah i think he's going to be calling hey. in from a remote location here pretty soon Okay,
1: probably iowa somewhere maybe yeah
2: hanging out in the corn boop. stalks boop, boop, boop. Oh, boop,
3: boop, boop, boop. here he is he's coming in. he's breaking boop, in
2: now
1: that's
3: hey <laughs> hey guys can you hear me
1: oh oh we got you yeah. david welcome hey back david
3: hey hey i got yeah oh it's time i'm
1: How's it going? Oh, it's great. It's great. And uh, and welcome back to you and welcome back to everybody because this is the season five premiere for reconcination And I'm your host, John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I can't believe it. It's I, I can't believe we've been doing this for, it feels like, 35 years and it's flown by we're kicking off five
3: we're getting it started 100 and uh 100 plus episodes 140 yeah episodes? we're on our
1: way to on our way to 200 and we're shooting
3: for the moon here so yeah you know it's uh i'm feeling good all my enemies are dead I'm, I'm out of witness protection i'm ready to do more more shows like i know that i was the main reason for the the delay between episodes so it's good to be yes. back
1: you, you had a situation you had to handle so yeah yeah, yeah. i had now to take care of business
3: it. <laughs> yeah it's it, it's been handled
1: <laughs> oh yeah I'd... well it's been it's been a great first four seasons and and brent joined up well, i think during season three uh somewhere along the way there somewhere too late,
3: the way. Two, late yeah. season two i want say. So. yeah
1: some somewhere in that zone but uh and and obviously it's been great having you here and we wrapped up season four a few weeks ago with uh first we had friday the 13th part six after our little hiatus and then of course uh along with the the newly released top gun maverick we felt like it was no no better time to look at top gun so if you haven't checked those episodes out you can find them in the archives at www.reconcinemation.com but uh, this week, you know, it was a big debate. What are we going to do for season five? We have to start, are we going to do a big movie? Are we going to do a, a lesser known thing that's been forgotten? And really in a sad way, our, our choice was sort of made for us because we lost the, the great Le- Ray Liotta along the way between our, our last episode and now. So really there, there's so many movies that he was a part of that we're going to talk about. Uh, briefly, but of course, there's one iconic movie, and that is Goodfellas. So here we are. All right,
2: this is yeah. a great one to talk about, especially yeah. to remember Ray Liotta by.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about Ray Liotta, he was in plenty of great movies. This is, I mean, this was his his greatest work, really, and and arguably Martin Scorsese's greatest work. So. Uh, So so let's let's get into it. And you know it's it's a sad day here, but we're gonna honor and celebrate Ray's career and this uh, this film specifically. Um, When you guys so when you think about Ray Liotta like what kind of characters uh, jump out to you, because to me, you know, I always I always knew him for like his intense characters but always had that little bit of charm. And again, Goodfellas is that perfect use of both of those. Where, and and we'd see that in various roles that he play throughout his career, where he'd lean one way or the other. But uh, this is this is kind of a fine line of, of walking in the middle.
3: Yeah, that's uh, when I think of him. It's that that is the sort of that, that's the sort of niche that he fills. Uh, you know, for everything he does, that he's because kind of, I I don't want to say he's menacing, but there is there's always an undertone of menace to him and but there's it's counterbalanced by like a like i don't know like the charm like sort of a like a rattlesnake charm you know like you just bring you can bring you in you know but like he until until he until he bites you you know you think you're you can be sort of safe with him like that's sort yeah. of the intensity that he brings to it so it's like he, he can go off like a firework but you know for the most part he, he's pretty he can be docile but you always know there's something more to him so there's layers to like everything every time you see him in a new part i think that's just and and he can play and he's not always i mean you know you can and he plays the range of emotions you know you see him you know in different things it's like he's a tough guy he's he's smooth he's cool he's emotionally like you know Mm -hmm. he's sad uh, he's in love sort of like he wasn't like a romantic lead but you can tell like where he's pa- like i guess maybe more impassionate mm-hmm. rather than so yeah that's i mean that's that's sort of all the bells that are ringing when i think of mr mr ray lioto
1: yeah when i'll yeah. oh, go ahead brent
2: oh no i was just gonna agree i mean for me like i have not seen his full you know i haven't seen a, a, a ton of his movies same i mean i've seen a plenty but but he's he's got when we were researching for this, like just going through his credit list, like there's a ton of stuff that I haven't seen, but the things that most stick out for me, uh, you know, are Goodfellas and Field of Dreams. Like mm-hmm. those are the two that I, I remember him most from from my childhood, like Field of Dreams is one of my favorite movies. And and I, I don't think it's much of a stretch to say that Goodfellas may be his best movie. And so, um, you know, when you say it kind of intense and charming, know i think both those movies kind of capture both those kind of kind of um portrayals Mm -hmm. so yeah i I agree completely
1: yeah i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of walk through his his uh the highlights of his his filmography and you'll see you know the the really the range that he had and and later in his career he was pretty much playing either cops or gangsters that's what he was so naturally just good at but he really like he did have a lot of range he could he could do a lot of varied characters um but just very quickly uh, you know a short biography for those that aren't as familiar with him uh he was born in 1954 in newark adopted by a town clerk and an auto parts shop owner uh, he studied acting at the University of Miami and began uh, began acting in, in theater and TV before he landed something wild uh, which is a, a Jonathan Demi film and that's I, I just recently saw that film and he's I mean his intensity is is huge in that movie and and but you, you can't take your eyes off of him when he comes on the screen you just you're kind of glued to him. And you could tell that that's that's a guy who's got a great career ahead of him, and and he really did. Dominic and Eugene, great film there, Field of Dreams, which we talked about covering that here, but I kind of argued that it's not really like a Ray Liotta movie. It's a, it's a Costner movie with Liotta's got a big part in it, but sure, uh, and it's an it's a pivotal part, but it's not like. He doesn't, he's not in it actually that much as far as screen time goes. Uh, Article 99, which my uncle actually worked on with with Ray and uh, a, another kind of good and forgotten film. Unlawful Entry with our dear friend Kurt Russell. So that's that's a win. Just you know in, it's a win. Just yeah. with the casting. Haven't even rolled camera five, and have won. Five stars. Five out of five stars. Uh, no Escape, great sci-fi movie. Karina mm. Karina, mm-hmm. which there, right there, you've got, like, he's a total, like, lovable dad, you know, uh, character that that is the complete opposite of some of the menacing characters he played. Uh, followed that up with Operation Dumbo Drop, then went back the other way with Unforgettable, which mm. was a, uh, oh, no, not Unforgettable, a Turbulence, which was uh, a, it was like a, you uh, under siege or die hard on a on a plane type movie right. and he's he's the villain uh we of course we talked about copland which is another one probably a top five role for him performance yeah, wise That's great man uh again you can you can check that out in the archives at www.reconcinemation.com of course he did muppets from space i think he actually appeared in a couple of muppets movies so you know you're you're good in my book if you show up in a muppets movie hell yeah uh blow uh johnny depp film and another uh, i think that was ted demi i think his last film before he passed away showed up in hannibal uh ridley scott or yes ridley scott's hannibal uh narc another one of my favorite ray liotta movies it's uh joe carnahan before he went kind of off the rails with crazy action movies uh this was a really really good film great performances by ray and uh, jason patrick Uh, John Q, Identity, had a great, I think, Emmy-nominated performance on one of the later seasons of ER, showed up in Date Night, Killing Them Softly, Place Beyond the Pines, Iceman, you see we're starting to get into mostly, you know, gangster-type roles by this point, No Sudden Move, and one of his last big releases uh, to this point, I think he's got a few more still coming out, but the Many Saints of Newark, which was a a tie-in with The Sopranos, so uh, you know yeah. so many great roles, and he's fantastic in that. I, I won't spoil it for those who haven't seen it, but um, you know a great great role in, in that film. So uh,
2: don't forget B Movie. I'm just I gotta give a shout out to B Movie. Was he in B Movie? <laughs> any, yeah, any dad's seen B Movie? He, yeah. he is in B Movie, uh, <laughs> and definitely uh, worth mentioning there yeah just for just a shout out to some friends of mine who were nice oh
3: that's right oh you would have been okay all right uh
1: yeah but as you can see just a, a lengthy career and and sadly one that was cut cut short and and i feel like he was just starting to hit a stride again where we're about to see some more great ray liotta roles and and we'll have to see what these you know i think there's uh, maybe 3 or 4 that are that he sh- he shot and and are yeah. getting cut together so we'll see what how it turns out but he'll be uh he'll be sadly missed and of course uh the one i left out is the one that we're covering today possibly his greatest role in his greatest film uh, Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas from 1990 that's
2: one. I mean and this is a powerhouse I, like i know you went through and he had done a bunch of different i think like tv roles and things like that um but aside from i you know field of dreams came out right before this but i feel like this and correct me if i'm wrong but this one seems to be the one that put him on the map
1: this is what really put him on the map as as basically an a-list star yeah right this totally boosted him up yeah and it's arguably i mean one it's of the greatest role, right? films of all time. You know, yeah. this is a, this is a huge movie, and and it's a turning point for a lot of people's careers. Here, uh, his being one of them. But, um, Brent, when was the first time? When when do you remember watching Goodfellas for the first time, or or at least hearing about it? Hearing about it when it released.
2: Um, just because you know, I don't think it was something that. I mean, it's pretty well known. Movie when it was coming out, a Scorsese yep. movie with the with the actors that were attached. You know, De Niro's in it. Pesci was coming off, I think, of one of the Lethal Weapon movies, and mm-hmm. um, and he had had he had done My Cousin Vinny yet, or was that still to come?
1: That's uh, that's still to come.
2: Okay, so he was coming off the Lethal Weapon movie though, and was that? I mean, I for me. I love that character for Joe Pesci in that movie and so like I was certainly Real excited guess. to I was certainly excited to see the next thing. Holy cow, was it a very polar opposite situation, but um the first time I saw it, you know, I don't it's it's like one of those movies that I didn't see it when it first came out. I didn't see it at the theaters, you know. I would have been I don't know, 11, 12 years old maybe. Mm -hmm. when it came out and so no I wasn't I wasn't there um we didn't watch a lot of mobster movies in my house just because my my grandmother who's you know first generation Italian American lived in Hell's Kitchen has very strong opinions about mobster movies and how they paint Italian Americans Mm -hmm. in a certain way and so uh as much as I was allowed to see uh, other things uh, that people would question.
1: Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, you yeah, know, that's Friday the
2: the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Some of those I snuck just because I had a morbid <laughs> curiosity, but but, uh, but for whatever reason, didn't watch a lot of mobster movies until I got a little bit older. And so uh, it would have probably been in high school, and certainly when we got into college, it was on rotation. But, but I don't recall exactly the first uh, time that I saw it but I'm sure it would have been around the time that I was you know watching a lot of Tarantino watching a lot like really starting to focus on kind of the the movie moguls and mm-hmm. and like the the real you know taxi driver and going through like Scorsese stuff and just you know it would have been part of that run through which would have been you know early high school
1: yeah yeah uh, what about you david when when did it first uh when did Goodfellas first kind of come on your radar
3: uh i i i think i was always very aware of it you know I know it was sort of a big hit and sort of a uh, and all that but i <clears throat> um i hadn't seen it until i want to say 2001 ish um where uh, in college and you know there was one of the one of my roommates in our our townhouse you know had had a Goodfellas poster on the brick wall <laughs> and we, uh, of our common room. And I, uh, and I remember we had, we all watched it one night and then like, Oh, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And it was great. Um, so I, you know, it was, uh, but I hadn't seen it since to be honest with you. So it's been 20 years since I've seen it, seen it, but um, you know, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, you got, I mean, it's, it's just it's just stacked of talent, you know. Like there's just all around amazing movie. Everyone involved is fantastic, and it's just uh, and it clips along at, at just the right pace. Mm-hmm. And the story's very intriguing and very engaging. So yeah, now that that's when I first saw it, and but yeah, I've, you know, you're always aware of it. People are always talking about Goodfellas. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I remember my parents I I went through a phase in like the early nine very early nineties where I was not into movies at all. Like I was just strictly sports and, you know, NBA, NFL, whatever. Baseball, just not into watching whatever movie my parents were watching and goodfellas was one of those i think reservoir dogs was another that my parents were like hey you should watch this with us and i was like absolutely not wow i, I am not i'm gonna watch uh hakim olajuwon uh tonight and that's it yeah so. there you go <laughs> the, of the dream i like it little rocket I, shout went, out. I went i went houston for you thank you uh-huh. but I, I got into the movie around I, somewhere in 94 uh i got i i don't know what triggered me to watch it but i think it had just been sitting there in my mind that yeah i probably should check that movie out i did and i was mesmerized by it and You're like what uh, the of, hell was
2: i doing yeah well it's Why one did of I those wait that, so long
1: right that like spurred me to my film career that like oh my god this movie is incredible and amazing and i became obsessed with it i got i got I bought the Nicholas Pileggi novel, Wise Guy, that it was based on, which we'll talk about in a minute, Uh, read that, and saw kind of the differences between that and the film. Uh, But uh, I remember when we went to school at the College of Santa Fe, RIP, where I just recently visited, by the way, just strolled through campus uh, as I went through Santa Fe. the ghosts was, of,
2: of students past.
1: Yep. Yeah. Exactly. The Goodfellas was the first movie that our our little clique of of friends watched as a group. Yes. So that was the first movie we kind of all hung out in. What was the, the lounge upstairs? Yeah. In our right. in our dorm room in our uh, our uh, La Hall, we we watched this together, and it was it was. I don't know why I remember it so vividly because it was right when we got to school. So it was like within the first couple of weeks and we hadn't, you know, gotten so busy and it was like a Sunday afternoon. Everyone it, was, was it
2: around. even the first couple of weeks. I feel like it was like that first weekend.
1: It, it probably, it was, yeah, it probably was that first weekend. I remember we, we, we saw that and I think we went to see event horizon kind of maybe even the same day, but definitely the same weekend. So Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was sounds like a good day. Yeah, it sounds like a great, there's there's never been a better double feature than Event Horizon in Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I I grew up in New York with, my Italian family was not in the Mafia, but shared, you know, some personality traits that were very similar to some of these characters. The way they spoke, the way they talked to each other, the way they interacted with each other, the cooking, you know, what they talked about when they got together, but, um, so I always felt very connected to this movie, but, but I, I identified with Henry Hill because I'm half Jewish, half Italian, you know, my, my father's side is Jewish. My mother's side's all Italian. So it was like, you know, I could never be a made guy, but, <laughs> yeah. but I was around a lot, you know, uh, well, the world's a
2: better place for you not being a made guy, John. I think, I think it's good stuff.
1: Yeah. Pro- probably all for, for the best, but <laughs> Uh, and I watched this movie, I don't know how many times I've seen it, 60 times? Like, Ooh. I just watched it, you know, probably a couple times a year for years on end and and never got tired of it. But I did, you know, I did take a break. Uh, really, since we started this podcast, I've been trying to mostly watch films I hadn't seen before, other than what we cover here. So uh, so it's been a longer gap and, and watching it again now just kind of re-fell in love with it. And it's really it's it's along with Godfather one and two, collectively known as the Godfather saga. (laughs) We don't talk about three. It's arguably the greatest gangster film of all time. You know, it's right up there. But and there, there's I think you got to
2: throw Scarface in there too, right?
1: I personally, I wouldn't. I think Scarface. Really?
2: Oh, see, this is this is the thing. Scarface. Uh I think. I mean, look, I love both of them. But for whatever reason, Scarface was the one that resonated more with me that I had seen over and over. Like, there was a time where, like, in the early, ni- well, mid 90s, where, like, I just, that movie was on. Yeah. Like, constantly. Like, it was I, I know everywhere TNT, I went.
1: TNT had the rights to it for a long time. And that was yeah. where I first saw it, too. It, it just ran, like, all the time, constantly cut up you know the famous tv version of yeah <laughs> scarface
2: well that was the introduction but as soon as that comes on you go and you find the yeah not edited version and you're like holy fuck not that we're here to talk about scarface yeah, but i would no. put i would put scarface in this
1: yeah i'm not gonna that's why i say screen. it's ar- arguably because there's, yeah. there's a number of movies you could put up there and and scarface especially pop culture wise definitely took on i mean You don't see a lot of ray liotta or robert de niro tattoos on people but you see a lot of hell of a lot of pacino scarface tattoos yeah yeah um but uh but yeah i mean these are some of the greatest gangster films of all time and and there's a reason for it they're so stylized and they have they have such the depth of the story and the characters it's just you know there's so many mafia movies that are made and and 90% of them are almost laughable of how, you know, stereotypical and uh, that that they are. And and these are just rise so far high above them that, um, you know, they have such lasting power. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, I I mentioned uh, the novel Wise Guy by Nicholas Let's Let's talk about the origins of the story before we get into the film itself. So Nicholas Pileggi wrote the the novel in 1985, chronicles of the life of Henry Hill, who was a mafia associate who later turned informant. That's your basic story. Uh, but he really wanted to get into detail on, on really the, the nuts and bolts of the mob and, and how it worked, how it functioned, how they actually did what they do and who these people really were. So you see this kind of, which Scorsese, exemplifies in the film of these characters that almost live like a double life of how they can flip from you know family people and who who love each other so so passionately to just being able to turn around and murder people some of which are in your own family like on a dime because it's all about money that 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 becomes the centerpiece of everything mm-hmm. um so the novel comes out in 1985 Martin Scorsese is on set uh, filming *The Color of Money*, which, by the way, we covered earlier in season four of *Reconcinimation*. You can find it at *Reconcinimation*. in the archives. That was part of our our uh, our look back at some Paul Newman films earlier this year. But uh, Scorsese is on set for for that, and you know, reads uh, an article about the novel, reads the novel, and. Also, kind of falls in love with it and knows that th- this is a project I want to do. He hadn't been after Raging Bull. He really hadn't planned to do another. I guess Mean Streets and Raging Bull. You know, he really wanted to stay away from mafia stuff and didn't want to be kind of cornered with with those kind of films. But um, he he called Pelegi and said, "I've been waiting for this book my entire life." And Pelegi just said right back to him, "I've been waiting for this phone call my entire life." <laughs> so,
2: match <laughs> made um, in heaven.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so they they began a collaboration, and and Scorsese really wanted to, was attracted to the honest portrayal of these characters, and not a stereotypical characterization of uh, of, of mob members, uh, you know, and gangsters. That you know, to him, it was it was uh, it was almost like a home movie that we're watching play out. That just revolves around money. That money is the centerpiece, and everything else uh kind of dances around that now where is martin scorsese at this point we've we've talked actually a lot about his 80s films uh some of which are kind of a little bit forgotten and not as honored as as some of his others so we talked about the king of comedy and we talked about the color of money we also talked about after hours and so you see this kind of evolution of martin scorsese's career from new hollywood in the 70s and Kind of the decline of that as, you know, more blockbuster movies and entertainment for fun movies were were the popular things of the 80s and how he tried to kind of navigate through that and doing these almost independent style films, uh, which really weren't that successful. So he, you know, the part of the reason he did The Color of Money was to have a studio film that did well, which worked for him and worked well enough that. He did his passion project, The Last Temptation of Christ. David, I know that's your favorite film of all time, correct?
3: I'm a big fan. You've <laughs> got a poster.
1: The, you've got The Last Temptation of Christ merchandise. I, got I merch. literally see it all over your, your house.
3: I cosplay uh, some of my favorite characters <laughs> yeah. uh, from time to time. Um,
1: you've got the action figures.
3: <laughs> I got action, fig- I, action uh, yeah.
1: figures. Action figures, boxes. Yeah, I rotate.
3: Or- uh my love of uh yeah
2: (laughs) and i remember growing up when that movie came out and there being like people like protesting that movie outside the theaters i I remember yeah i forget what i went to go see but i went to go see something yeah around that same time and i was like what are these people all been out of shape about
1: probably that that came out in 88 so it was probably you're probably seeing roger rabbit maybe uh it is
2: very possible that i was going to see roger (laughs) rabbit maybe
1: uh the untouchables or something
2: i did see that in the theater i saw both roger rabbit and untouchables in
3: in the theater gangsters
1: exactly (laughs) more gangsters more gangsters (laughs) another great gangster movie that was Last Temptation was was a passion project for Scorsese that took the better part of ten years for him to get made and took like everything out of him to to get that film done and it is an amazing film um, really one of Willem Dafoe's greatest performances uh, of another lengthy career but um, you know coming out of that he again needs kind of looking for another studio hit in order to keep really needing to keep his career going. So maybe this was it, maybe going back to his roots, telling a story that involved uh, gangsters and members of the Mafia was was the way to go. So so he really dug in. He dug in with Pelleggi and they wrote 12 drafts of the script uh, and was actually, this was the first writing credit for Scorsese since Mean Streets. So while he was involved deeply involved with the stories and maybe did some of the screenwriting for all his movies through the eighties, he really wasn't credited between I think seventy three and nineteen ninety, which sounds weird now because we're so used to him, you know, being so involved on on the screenplay level with his films. Right. Yeah. Um, they made the decision to change a lot of the names of the characters. Like I was mentioning, there there is some differences between the book and the film and a lot of that is the natural thing that happens with with uh, true stories that you you know what works in a novel isn't always going to work in a screenplay so you've got a lot of characters that you sort of combine some of them and and uh, you know maybe cut out a few of the stories that don't impact as much or or you know sequences the you know, need to change the the names, I think, a little bit had to do with some of these people were still alive at the time and um, not necessarily having to go and get permission for everybody. So it's sort of a very close association with these people, but not an exact interpretation of them. Yeah. Uh, also, change the name of the film from Wise Guy to Goodfellas. Does anybody know why he did that? Dig Dig deep into... To mob movies from the 80s well wasn't
2: there uh was it was it De Palma? was it who yeah. was it that that made there is a wise guy yeah
1: yeah wise guy starring uh captain lou albano and danny devito and and everyone's favorite joe piscopo
2: i always get that confused with tough guys
1: with burt lancaster and uh and um kirk douglas
2: I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I remember the poster with them in their, you know, old school kind of gangster suits, like with cigars, like leaning on each other. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, just to kind of distance themselves from that film, which was more of a comedy uh, that they changed it to to Goodfellas, uh, which would become Martin Scorsese's 13th film of, I don't even actually know how many he's done, but he just keeps pumping them out one after another. He loves making movies. He loves movies. That he, we know. He doesn't stop. <laughs> uh all right. So let's talk about casting. I kind of think this is this is like the perfect cast this film.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's great. They're all characters. You know, like yeah. even like everybody in this is a character of some sort. <laughs> like all the supporting cast, like they're all Kind of hilariously unique. My favorite is uh, Frank Frankie Carbone.
1: Oh yeah, Frank Severo. Yeah, yeah,
2: dude, his hair is the best. <laughs> the <laughs> best. Wasn't he?
1: Wasn't he, uh, he was on the Simpsons, right, David? Was he on the Simpsons? Wasn't he like one of? Or they modeled, you know, the look of one of the, uh, the oh. gangster characters. Oh yeah, they him. did. Oh, they they absolutely yeah. did. Yeah, I think <laughs> they he did the, like the I, huge quaff. Yeah, I, I feel like he did the voice too, but.
3: Oh, who Jack? because i thought actually might be true i don't know
1: um yeah he's he's great uh just so many there's so many they're also distinct from each other you know they have they all have a similar look but there's something about them personality wise that comes through that so you know as as henry's character goes and you see different sequences where you meet lots of characters
2: oh yeah when he's introducing the different characters and giving us the names and kind of I mean it's great. Like it's so well done. Like it's it I mean it absolutely compels you to to want to watch and see what all these people are going to going to do.
1: Yeah. And and there's so much like we mentioned with Ray Liotta, there's so much charm to these people that they're so well cast and and well crafted the characters that you can't really look away. You know, you're you're captivated by them. Well, it's
2: kind of the arc of the movie, right? Exactly. Like the whole the whole idea at the beginning is is that kind of romanticized idea of of gangsters, and and they're like almost portrayed as like like famous Hollywood starlets, you know, like walking, you know, like when Henry's coming in with uh, uh, Lorraine, Lorraine Bracco, yeah, Lorraine Bracco. And like they're walking through the back of the restaurant and they get the front seat and everything. Like it feels like a very like rat packy kind of like Frankie Sin- Sinatra kind of situation. And, you know, as Wait, the movie goes, Frankie
1: Sinatra, I did say Frankie that, that's, Sinatra. That's blasphemy, by the way. Whatever.
2: Talk to it's my grandmother. Uh. It's Francis Albert. Um but I mean, the thing is, is throughout the course of the movie, like we see that all get stripped away, you know, and, and you see kind of the, the underbelly of it all. And it's...
1: And the desperation.
2: It's not that, you know, yep. it's, it's gross and it's like gluttonous and it's like violent and, you know,
1: but... Well, it, it's like it starts out like that and, and right. sort of the beauty of it. And then as, you know, whenever times get a little tough you feel that desperation and that, that the insanity starts and then everyone's, you know, turning on each other and, and it, and it's a, it's a giant mess.
3: But well, like that first hour is pretty much like, you know, it's, it's a 10 like as the kid glamorizing it in his own mind and then right. living that life. And it's kind of awesome. And yeah, you know, there's some unsavory little bits here and there, but it's pretty great. And then you just sort of transition into well, here's all the other shit about it that is kind of ugly. And then I mean, you know, I didn't read the book, but like, you know, Henry seems to be untouched by some of the most egregious, like kind of bad shit, mm-hmm. in the sense of like, you know, in the movie, he wasn't he he was never asked to whack a guy. Right. And and, and I don't think in the movie he intentionally he's not like the antagonist to ever kill anybody. No, right?
1: no, he's not, and that's a part of it's because. He's an, he remains an associate the whole time because he can't be a made guy. He's never all the way in, yeah. but he's around it all the time and yeah. was beloved by, by those characters, but they just couldn't officially include him in that. And he wasn't that type, you know, he was more of the planner and, and devised some of these schemes that they'd come up with and very involved with, with, the drug trade and and robberies and and the Lufthansa heist and and all of that but uh, not so much with actual murders.
2: Yeah, I mean the only time you ever really see in the movie him initiate any violence is when he goes across the street and beats that dude's ass for Yeah. for right. a- attacking Lorraine Bracco, yeah. you know. Yeah
3: well it's like he's you know yeah he just remains a menace throughout the whole thing but then he's also like trying to play it cool and he's always he's trying to play everybody in a sense to keep everybody kind of like level you know it's like yeah looking at you know making sure that jimmy doesn't kill what's to say samori too or too early <laughs> like you know or and he's just but yeah like it's so funny it's like boy if drugs were never an option like uh, if, if they never like filtered into the business of these of the mafia or these gangsters or whatever in these stories, it's just sort of like if drugs were never a thing. Like I don't know, they, I think it'd be kind of cool to be a gangster. <laughs> like, but they turned into yeah, I mean, I don't know. killing people before the drugs too, though. Like, no, I understand. Yeah, but, but it,
1: drugs, drugs is what changed the whole quote-unquote industry into sure. a different level, which which was referenced in The Godfather and something that Vito warned about and was against because like
3: if you can if you if you have to get a whole if you got to hijack a whole truck of cigarettes to make good money but what if you just get a couple of suitcases of coke or whatever the hell and then you can make an unbelievable amount of money yeah it's like well there's yeah there's no question yeah if it's a money making game
1: (laughs) but (laughs) the move the movie opens and you know you're you're looking at these characters through the young henry hill who's not a child, but a young teen through his eyes and just everything's glamorized. Like he idolizes these characters, you know, specifically Pauly played by Paul Sorvino and Jimmy Conway played by Robert De Niro that gets singled out as really his idols. Um, So we see that. And like you said, we, we, we see, you know, his first involvement with them and his rejection of his, his own, uh, you know, nuclear family, that 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 way of life was not what he wanted. He didn't want to be a sucker and, you know, just a working man for all his life. He wanted to enjoy the fruits of his labor uh, and have more fruits than labor. So, (laughs) uh, you know, that that was why work that hard when you could have it a little easier and have a better have a good time with it and be more comfortable uh, no matter how you get to that point. You no, know,
3: you don't want to be a schnook. No. Like, no. why you don't want a nine to five busting your balls for for old man uh, you know old man Mitsubishi, old man Ford, old man coal miner, <laughs> whoever's in charge, you know. Screw that, make your money, Mr. Burns. And and it's so intriguing, you know, to to yeah, like he's like looking he, the glamorization of like there's just money, like the Jimmy and Pauly just passing out cash. Like for tips and all that just for people doing their jobs because they're being taken care of and it's just like who you know that may and then like you said like henry was making more money at 13 than is almost as his, his old man was yeah it's you know. super flashy you know like yeah uh, as oh, a yeah. young
2: as a young kid whose dad is is literally working himself down to the bone for just scratching out as uh, you know
3: a living mm-hmm. yeah it's gonna look pretty enticing yeah. I, as a kid i looked at my parents who both worked two jobs essentially my my you know as i grew up and i was just like this is a sucker's game like they're playing by the rules they're working their asses off they're barely we're barely scraping by you know i never got into criminal activity i was not smart enough to be like a self-made entrepreneur like you know so there's just people that are drawn to like a hustle and can you know get through that. I'm I was never really wired for that, and I never couldn't really figure out like how could I do better, folks? You know, but uh, but someone like Henry Hill, he's wired for that, he's he wants to be a part of that so much, you know? right? And all those and guys that, do that yeah, you it's know, a good time. It's
1: fun to him, it's a good time. These are they're good fellas, they're you know, they're good guys that he's yeah. he is having nothing but a, a, a blast with until he gets gets pinched and then he starts to see the other side of it but you know we have that moment where Jimmy you know Jimmy kind of has his one on one with him
0: you took your first pinch like a man and you learned the two greatest things in life what look at me never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut
1: never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut and that's words he lives by until a certain point
3: Right: Well, it kept him safe, right? It's just yeah. that's that lo- you can't buy that loyalty. so like even where getting toward the end of the film where uh, Jimmy's taken out everybody he's known for decades longer than than Henry, and, and then ultimately Henry was going to be a target, you know, just because because yeah. old and Jimmy was old and paranoid, yeah you know? yeah. and so I, yeah I can't blame Henry for t- he lasted as long as he had to. And so it was just, there's no, no other choice, either die or, or, right. you know, go to, go to the, go to the
1: cops, right. Go to the federales. But, uh, but the cast is just, is amazing. And some of these, some of the, the greatest roles these, these guys would ever have, you know, let's start with, of course, with Robert De Niro, who really his signing on to the movie is what got the financing which is is pretty, pretty common for big movies that you need a star to get the money and sometimes you need money to get a star. So it's this kind of dance that you have to do. But, um, you know, with Scorsese committing to the movie and getting involved, it was not De Niro was not going to be far behind. And in 1990, I mean, at that point, Robert De Niro was kind of considered America's greatest living actor. Not necessarily box office wise, but respectability wise, you know, he was in the prime of his career looking at all the movies he did throughout the 70s and 80s up to that point and would continue on for a while.
2: I mean, he's done so many great characters and great movies. He's amazing in this as well. I mean, like just watching it this last time, seeing some of the kind of subtle things that he does. Like, I love the scene. Where you know they're they're going back to uh, Joe Pesci's mom's house, and she's like cooking them dinner, and you know like when they're sitting down and eating, he's like putting ketchup like on his his pasta, you know, which is something that he picked up like talking to some of the some of the other people of that time, and just you know like something uh, kind of I think he's Irish. Uh, you know, like an Irish American, like yeah. something that he, an Irish American might do uh, if they were eating Italian food, you know? And it's just like, it's something that you see and like he's rolling the bottle in his hand. Like it's just, you know, like a totally everyday kind of occurrence. And it's yeah. like, man, it's those little like subtle things that are kind of littered throughout. I mean, pretty much all his performances, but you watch him in this and it's it's, uh, you know, it's amazing to see that kind of detail
1: yeah and and specifically for that henry the, the real life henry hill uh was and was was involved creatively with the movie he was uh he was a and i don't i don't think he got associate producer credit but it was he was a consultant and um de niro called him constantly specifically for those kind of notes like what is the like how did he speak how what was his inflection like how did he walk what did he do? What did he hold in his hands? All, all those kind of details. To and that's <clears throat> what great actors do—that fill in a, a real character, that make that character um, something completely separate from the actor. A lot of yeah. a lot of actors, like the first thing they do is pick a walk, you know, a, a, a strut that that character is going to have, and that helps them get inside that character a little bit. But yeah, I mean, he was he was just coming off in a, a you know quite a run the most recent films were Midnight Run which we covered here you can check out in the archives at reconsination.com Jack Knife are No Angels which I've never seen uh i think a comedy with Sean Penn
3: They're are they dressed up as nuns?
1: They are yes. Or priests? Well they're priests uh this is separate from Nuns on the Run. Nuns so, on the
3: Run with Eric Idle.
1: A lot of religious uh comedy happening there. <laughs> Probably to counter Last Temptation of Christ, really. (laughs) Uh, And then Stanley and Iris. And um, interestingly, Al Pacino and John Malkovich were also up for the Jimmy role in case De Niro uh, did not uh, come on board. Pacino would have been interesting. Malkovich would have been interesting, but a very different portrayal. Right. Malkovich.
3: Isn't he like a...
2: That seems like a Eastern random European casting. kind of guy yeah. like he's uh, you know no malkovich
1: offense. well- well, after dangerous liaisons, malkovich was he was kind of a hot commodity in in the you know early nineties that yeah yeah I mean, I love Malkovich, yeah, oh of sure. course, yeah,
2: but I don't know that I love him for
1: this yeah i I don't see him as an Italian mafia member,
3: no.
2: Not, not at no. that. Although not, not at six three. And... Russian mafia. I mean, rounders.
1: Yes. He's, yeah, sure. Russian. Yeah. There. European. Yeah. I could buy yeah. that completely. Yeah. Um.
2: Yeah. It would have been very different.
1: Yeah. But uh, there's so many great moments, and it's interesting to see De Niro. You know, he's front and center. I think he's top billing. He's front and center on the poster, but he's not the main character. So it is interesting that he does take a bit of a sidestep to be part of this trio, really, who are are almost almost all three leads of the movie
2: yeah but it's martin scorsese like in all honesty like yeah he's gonna do it
1: yeah of course (laughs) you know it's
2: it's martin scorsese oh we got pacino we got malkovich lined up never never a thing
1: (laughs) yeah step (laughs) out of the way guys
2: (laughs) yeah it's like of course he's gonna do it i mean how many how many movies have they done together up to this point i mean
1: uh to this point uh, taxi driver raging bull Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Mean Streets, New York, New York. Uh, I right. think this was the fifth. I mean... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fifth out of like something like 12 or something that they've they've worked yeah. on together now. But um, yeah, just uh, quite a pairing and one of the, the greatest actor-director pairings of all time. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. And then we've got our good friend, Joe Pesci. So man, Joe Pesci. Now, now just, you just got to back the train up a second, because just like you were mentioning Brent, Joe Pesci prior to Goodfellas was very different than Joe Pesci post Goodfellas. Sure. So, And really we see Joe Pesci in Raging Bull in 1980. Uh, we see him in a couple of films throughout the eighties, Moonwalker being Michael Jackson's Moonwalker being one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Classic, and then Lethal Weapon Two, which was kind of reintroducing him into the the mainstream crowd, and he <clears throat> shows the contrast between the really the two kinds of roles that he could play so well was you know an Italian either connected to or in the mafia, and this you know wacky you know side comic character that he Leo gets is like one of the <laughs> One of the great things to happen in the lethal weapon <laughs> franchise.
3: Yes, I'm a big fan.
1: Yeah, especially in two, he get, you know he gets a little sillier later, but right. Well, the whole series gets sillier, but,
2: but yeah. I mean he helps carry too. Like honestly, yeah. like yeah. he's the perfect amount of comic relief. I mean, we talk about this when we talk about when we when we talked about lethal weapon. But dude, that scene where he's talking about they fuck you at the drive thru like yeah. dude, I was rolling in the floor <laughs> as yeah. a kid watching that thinking that is the funniest shit ever
3: can i give you two guys a friendly piece of advice okay don't ever go up
0: to the drive-thru okay always walk up to the counter you know what okay 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 I say, okay they fuck you at the drive-thru okay they fuck you with the drive-thru they know you're gonna be miles away before you find out you got fucked okay they know you're not gonna turn around and go back so they don't care who gets fucked oh leo yes okay sure i don't give a fuck i'm not eating this tune, okay shut hey, up
1: and 1990 may have been the greatest year of his career, coming out with first Goodfellas and then Home Alone. Oh, um, I mean, yeah, iconic characters, too, within within one calendar year. Yeah, yeah, uh, just absolutely. And incredible. couldn't be polar opposites again, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
2: so uh, quite a bit of range.
1: Yeah, and his but- intensity in this film is. One of the greatest things about it, and part of why he won an Academy Award for it.
2: Yeah, I mean that just evil frustrate. You know, I mean that little like it's that little man complex on steroids. You know, just like
1: mm-hmm.
2: he is dark and he is twisted and he is violent and he will snap for no reason at all.
1: Yeah, the Napoleon complex, almost to a psychotic level.
3: Yeah. Almost yep. totally yep. to a psychotic well, yeah. level. Yeah. Well, it uh, always feels like these stories of like, you know, villain, you know, bad bad dudes. There's always one that goes to an extreme. There's always someone that they're in the life and they ruin things for everybody else because they're they're too much, they're too explosive, too much of a hothead, too. Right. And like that's like a you know, that's him, right? Like they just <laughs> take it too far. You just take it just one step too far, you know. And so it's uh it's like oh this would be interesting if they all just I mean you don't really have a good story if you don't have like the the a conflict within but it's like oh they could have all been fine if Tommy just kind of relaxed mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. If, Tom, yeah if Tommy didn't shoot Christopher or well Chris uh, Michael Imperioli, like and then ki- and then kill the other made man um, yeah Billy bats or whatever Billy yeah. bats
1: yeah I like, mean
3: that's that's ultimately what yeah doomed him Billy- and yeah. and
2: you know
1: his his hot-headedness to a psychotic level really is what is what uh, starts the starts the 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 train moving with bringing everybody down right that he's too wild he's got to be taken out of the equation because he can't be trusted anymore even though he's a made guy which is a, yeah. a big deal but um but just so believable and i think a lot of actors who play these kinds of characters have a hard time psychologically and mentally getting finding that inner part of themselves to really play that that role and and we see it with Paul Sorvino also that uh, you know they they really had to tap into that for for Pesci really that that anger and where is that anger deep inside him that yeah. he can let that out and Paul Sorvino as Polly, who's really like sort of the the leader of this, of this. Uh, we, I mean, we don't really know exactly what family this this these guys are associated with, but Polly's sort of the leader of everybody. And
2: yeah, well, and he really struggled, which is yeah. interesting because like the character. I mean, he's not directly, like, doing anything
4: yeah, he can. violent. Like,
2: he's just always, like, kind of calling shots and quietly, like, nudging people in certain directions or, or giving ultimatums and whatnot. But, like, I know Paul Sorvino, the person, like, really struggled with this character because of the implication of it all. Yeah. And the type of person that he is, you know, which is apparently just a very, like, Kind and mm-hmm. and soft, you know, yep. kind of gentle human. Yep. And so, like, it's it's interesting, you know, to think an actor struggles that hard that much to to find it within themselves to play a character. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he had to tap into what uh, you know, basically, someone threatening his family is how he, he could find that coldness of the poly character. Mm. Um, it's a,
3: if the, if the movie if there was a movie about Polly, it'd be such a different movie in so much because like the the war, whatever his life is, his world, all of that that goes above him would be so intense and 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 big and stretching back to the old country uh-huh. and all that stuff. Right, like, yeah. But you never get this. You don't have to. You don't get a taste of it because we're seeing it's all it's Henry's story, right. right? Yeah. So it's 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 kind of this great localized story that we're, we get to witness and knowing that. You know, he got Henry could only get so close into, you know, how far it really goes.
1: That brings us to the man we're here to honor today. And that's Ray Liotta's casting as Henry Hill. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, listen to this. Who was considered for for Henry?
2: Michael J. Fox.
1: (laughs) Perfect (laughs) casting.
2: Michael J. Fox.
1: Sean Penn. Jonathan Silverman. Alec Baldwin. (coughs) Val Kilmer. Oh, my gosh. Tom Cruise. All considered for Henry. Imagine that. I I, maybe I could see Val Kilmer. Mm -hmm. Maybe I could see Alec Baldwin, but I I couldn't see Sean Penn or Tom Cruise.
2: They're all too pretty, man. Like, honestly, I think part of what makes this work is that he's not a perfect looking Hollywood. Like, I mean, he's got chops, like he brings it like, but he's not that like polished, you know, chiseled kind of Hollywood. Look, Mm he's, he's, you know,
1: he's got those beady eyes. Yeah. You can say well, he's got yeah. a distinct, he's got a very distinct <laughs> yeah. look and yeah. he's got that energy. And De Niro's the one who saw him in something wild and was like, Marty, we got, we got, you got to look at this guy. And Scorsese just fell in love with his, that explosive energy and rage that he could turn on. Right. Uh, and, and, and really and wanted him and, and had to campaign. And, and Leota had to audition and audition and audition and, and Scorsese had to, to fight for him with Warner Brothers in order to get him cast, kind of similarly to how Coppola had to campaign for Pacino in, uh, in The Godfather. And and sometimes you have to sort of manipulate the the studio casting system of, you know, keep slipping this one actor in. We'll, we'll keep looking at all these guys, we'll look at these tapes, we'll go on these, you know, have these meetings, but we're going to keep slipping in Ray Liotta and... His, his he just won't go away and then finally you know they were able to make it work um, but that mix like we said that mix of the charm and and the intensity and the rage all so many different emotions come from from this character and you know it's it just it just has such a great range put into one film for for this actor and and really, I mean, technically, he's the main character. So even though De Niro and Pesci were more familiar faces and and you know more front and center on the poster, it's really it's really Henry's story with Leota as the narrator and everything. So um you know, just just an amazing role here that probably didn't get enough credit uh, at the time. you know, it's always interesting to look back at the Oscar nominations and and who kind of didn't get nominated and missed out. And I feel like, you know, L- Leota was, was overlooked for how, you know, an influential character that this was.
2: Who did get nominated that year?
1: Do we know? Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to, we'll get to the Oscar noms towards mm. the end. That's good. Um, to be continued. And let's not forget about our, our female lead in the film, Lorraine Bracco. <clears throat> also, yeah. one of her greatest roles and, yeah. and such a kinship with with Leota that the, the, the two of them really bonded on this film and felt like you know they were sort of the outsiders together. And she's coming off of, again, not a household name at this point. She's coming off off the pickup artist and someone to watch over me, and she would later do Medicine Man with Sean Connery after that. and uh, of course, you know her the, the role of her lifetime and on the sopranos later on. What show? Uh, (laughs) Some some HBO show. uh, Anyway, she did not uh, she did not actually meet the real Karen Hill. She really wanted to come up with her own version of the character and and studied her, but didn't meet her face to face. Whereas Henry, the real Henry, was very involved with specifically De Niro and and Leota. Just going back to the the Polly character. I always felt like James Conn could have been a great casting choice for Pauly also. Now this is James Conn 1990. So this is not, not Sonny from, from the Godfather, you know, mm-hmm. he's older, wiser, but I could see him playing. That's sl- you know, uh, almost the opposite of Sonny too. Just that slowed down methodical, but he has such a, such a persona. When James Khan walks in a room, he's, he dominates the room. He has such an energy that that's important to that Polly character. That was just some fantasy casting on my part though.
2: I like it. I yeah. could see him playing Henry Hill too. And a younger mm. as
1: oh, younger, a younger for sure. Yeah. yeah. 70s James Conn definitely could have played Henry.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, You know, and then the rest of the cast, we're not going to name everybody cause there's, it's a huge list of, of, you know, a lot of italian actors that you'll see in you know uh, many films and tv shows that are cast out of new york (laughs) every
2: every mafia movie
1: yeah a lot of familiar faces um but one you know a couple that that jump out samuel l jackson love it i forgot he was in this like exactly man it's so crazy (laughs) <laughs> you know, pre-pulp fiction Samuel L. Jackson is a very interesting career with you know a lot of Spike Lee films a lot of yeah. independent films um, you know in smaller roles like this that he didn't really take off till he had that one-two punch of Jurassic Park and and uh, Pulp fiction yes uh, and you know a, a young Michael imperioli too in, in the, as the memorable spider yep. Sorry, Spider Spider yeah, never or, had a chance He got spider scorched. or a spider uh, But yeah just just very familiar ca- uh, actors all throughout the film
0: As far back as I could remember I always wanted to be a gangster.
1: We talked about Henry's rejection of his his birth family to accept his new family is, is sort of the journey of the of the film and how you know at the end of the day he's then sort of rejected by that same family in in later years. Uh, that's sort of the arc of his character um, but the, the the violence in the film there I mean there's so much a lot of what this movie is known for is the violence and it's intense you know like it's so realistically portrayed that I don't I don't know you know too many other films that had shown it so um,
0: graphically
1: Ridley. yeah. Be- yeah, I because to... it was portrayed so so realistically, like the graphicness stands out because that could happen, that has happened, that does happen.
3: Yeah, it's not yeah. stylized in any way. It's just it's kind of it's just brutal. Yeah, it's brutalized.
1: You know, um, you know Henry's uh, like Brent. You mentioned it earlier. Henry walking across the street. It's probably my favorite shot of Leota in the film. That you know he's got a gun in his hand. Mm-hmm. You see that pure anger on his face. His face is swollen because he's so energized from that, from that pure anger and hatred in that moment of this neighbor who has uh, at least attempted to rape Karen or right. you know was sexually aggressive with her, and he just walks right across the street, walks right up to him, and just pounds him like multiple. No hesitation. Times no hesitation just immediately and and it's i mean if you look close enough sure of course you can tell it's those punches are pulled but it's so believable
2: yeah yeah i mean there was yeah that scene is pretty intense and great and uh yeah he went across the street with one intention
1: yeah (laughs) yeah i mean the guy's yeah he's lucky the guy's lucky he didn't get killed
3: yeah, um, and, and I don't think he messed with, uh, messed with her again Nope,
1: No, <laughs> that was the end of that
3: well and that was really like the first time
2: in the movie in the relationship where even though you could probably connect the dots she was faced with the reality of what he truly was right yeah. and yeah. then she goes on to say that you know, she says, you know, maybe most girls would whatever, but it actually turned me on, you know, right? And so, Mm -hmm. like, you knew at that point that she was in.
1: Yeah, that, 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 that sold her, you know, all the way on it. Yeah. Um, Joe Pesci's uh, Tommy character has multiple, uh, multiple scenes of rage and violence and how lethal, you know, and scary that this character really was. Uh, the 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 famous scene, the Do I Amuse You scene, yeah. between his and, and Ray Liotta's character. <laughs>
4: it's
0: really funny. Really funny. What do you mean I'm funny? It's, it's funny, you know. It's, it's a good story. It's funny. You're a funny guy. <laughs> funny.
4: What do you mean? You mean the way I talk?
0: What? It's just, you know, you, it's, you're just funny. It's... You know, the way you tell the story and
4: everything. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? <laughs> yeah, Tommy,
0: no, you got it all wrong. He's... Oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? You're right. Funny how? Just, what? Just... You know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean... So? Well, let me understand this, because I you know. Maybe it's me. I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? And not just. You know how you tell a story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get the fuck out of here, Tommy. You
4: I almost had him. I almost had him. <laughs> you stuttering prickhead.
1: And that's based on a real situation that happened with Joe Pesci when he was working at a restaurant and there was a a gangster in there who was telling stories like that. And and <sighs> Pesci was just kind of hanging around the table and just said, you know, he was the Henry Hill role in that situation where, yeah. you uh-huh. know, he said it. And, and that's how the guy reacted to him. And, and it wasn't a joke, you know, <laughs> like. Um, so, you know, he he had a real place he was kind of pulling that from. And it's it's an iconic scene. It's you know, you yeah. see gifts with it to this day and, uh, you know, it's it's so quotable and such probably one of the most quotable lines from the film. Yeah.
2: Well, it really helps establish like. I mean, not that not that it wasn't already going there, but like how off the hinge he was, you know, because in that scene, you don't know, like until everybody starts laughing at the end, whether or not he's really going to. Like, is he gonna lose his shit on his friend? Like, is he gonna? I don't know. He could, yeah. you know. Like, we, you just have no idea. Well,
1: and like, that's part of Henry being technically an outsider. That he did always walk that line of like, how far is too far? You know, when when is he? You know, when do they push back on him? Like, yeah. Right. Was he approaching that line there? You don't know till finally uh, he calls Tommy's bluff and and Tommy, you know, breaks the ice. But. Uh, yeah. just incredible incredible performance by both of them because yeah. you need you need leota's reaction to it
0: you're you're
1: you're him the audience is is henry that you're just you're thrown off and you don't even know where you where you stand anymore with tommy
2: yeah just that uneasy tension between between what seemed like friends up to that point and yeah. you're like uh-oh what's going on here
1: yeah yeah and and this film you know there's been a lot of discussion about violence and entertainment and this is a film that gets pointed pointed at quite often of of there's so many violent scenes in it and it's for characters and that's part of the story and what scorsese's trying to say is you know you can't love these char- like you may like them but you can't love these characters because they're so they're murderers they're killers
2: I mean, yeah. When you get down to it, like they're they're disgusting, yep. you know. Like, yep, yeah, what <laughs> they stand for and what they do. Like, although romanticized at the beginning of this movie, it is, you know, kind of despicable.
1: Yeah, I think the killing of Spider uh, when Tommy kills Spider in the in the the poker game. You know, he's just his his ego is insulted. Yeah, and and. You know the, the Robert De Niro's car- Tommy and, and Henry, they're encouraging Spider to stand up to Tommy and as soon as he, he does, Tommy's uh, manhood is, is impacted and he's got to prove himself. And he, well, after first just shooting him in the foot, he kills him, just cold-blooded kills him and yeah. does not feel bad about it. What he feels bad about is that he's going to have to go dig a hole somewhere and get rid of the body. He doesn't feel bad actually killing this teenager who's you know, probably right. a younger version of Henry, right? Yep. Um. Yeah,
3: I was not a fan of Tommy at that point.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, it's hard to be. He's a bully, you know. Like yeah. he's just a unhinged bully. Yeah, yeah. I don't. And
1: it, and it gets worse over time. That you know, with the the murder of Billy bats, who was played by the the great Frank Vincent, who. Frank Vincent and Joe Pesci have an interesting relationship. They, they, they grew up together. They were in a band together before they started acting. <laughs> you can mm-hmm. find photos online of the two of them from like the early seventies. And it's kind of hilarious. That's cool. like, that Knowing what hilarious. they would become. But, uh, in Raging Bull, um, you know, Tommy or Tommy Pesci beats up Frank Vincent so badly. Right. And Goodfellas, he wrecks uh Frank Vincent's character just very violent super violently and then in in Casino we get kind of a a turnabout with finally Frank Vincent uh gets some revenge on on Joe Pesci so uh interesting dynamic between the two of them but but the uh the murder of Billy Batts is sort of the turning point in the movie where you know everything's good until then like they're riding high they're making lots of money from theft and well different kinds of theft um and uh, the Billy Bats scene is such a well-crafted scene of, of, you know, when we first see that the outside the restaurant, that slow kind of tracking shot and the way the music cues that, you know, like, okay, some, something's about to happen here. Mm-hmm. And, and really, it's just Tommy going over the edge with a drunken comment that, uh, sure, it's an insult, but... Uh, does it warrant what what he does? No, absolutely not. And, right. the, and and an incredibly violent beating of of Billy, and then throwing him in the trunk of the car, and then that great scene, like you mentioned earlier, with uh, with Tommy's mother, who's yeah. so oblivious to what they're doing, you know, <laughs> just either they're like blood willing, soaked and yeah, yeah. Like, willingly turns a blind eye to it or just as clueless yeah um and uh you know the great scene where they're talking about the painting and and uh, one dog going one way and the other dog going the other way yeah uh, and, and that's then,
2: scorsese's mother right that's so, Scorsese. yeah yeah wow. catherine
1: scorsese who shows up uh catherine and charles scorsese show up in all of their movies through at least casino um and Switching. Charles Scorsese is actually the guy who ends up killing, shooting Tommy in the back of the head later on. That's oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So just a, a kind of a wonderful scene with the mother there, and then turning right back around and the stabbing Billy to death in the in, in the trunk of the car. Just gruesome, gruesome scene. Uh, tough to watch, but
3: yeah. Well, uh, like, and then like you know later on where they have to. Move the body, mm-hmm. and they all help. You know, Henry can't stand it; he's vomiting from the six-month-old corpse. And and Jimmy and Tommy, they're they're handling it just fine and laughing at him, like they're they've been around de- rotting yeah. corpses. <laughs> like they've yeah. had to, you know, they chop up the body. You know, they're yeah. used to chopping up bodies, and yeah, not a big deal Henry for them. And but Henry, <sighs> H- Henry, after all that time, was still not in that, you know, in that kind of situation. You know, yeah. Um, no well and that's and like that's that's sort of the thing of like yeah i just i as like you're sort of saying Brent's like he's a bully like tommy's a bully and yeah i just i don't like tough guys i don't like tough guys who who gotta gotta prove something when they, there's nothing there's no need to prove anything you know? right and like and 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 that that kind of personality in someone who's completely unhinged like tommy just it turns into a violent you know sort of mix of like Murders not, murders just an option. It's not really a big deal. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and that's scary shit. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. So I'm not like a fan of tough, tough guys. Yeah, i Never, yeah. never been. And I, again, I grew up with the like. I'm, I'm a, I'm a Polak. I'm, I'm Polish, Polish and Czech. And I grew up in a lot of Italian American and a lot of Irish American kids. Some of those guys acted just like these fucking tough guys because their folks probably did and shit like yeah. that. Like all my bullies, like I, I'm definitely like I definitely have not gotten over my prejudice of of those of those types of bullies, you know. Um, you know, I feel like I have a kind heart, but there's certainly like I've been I've been treated like shit by like, like Irish and Italian kids, <laughs> like, and I and I wish them no ill will, and they're probably not psychopaths like Tommy, but like I don't or man. they could be. I don't know. I I doubt it. You know, it's it was it was hard growing up in the eighties in Scranton. Come on, but um, you know we have an Italian we have a uh, we have an Italian festival. We've got one of the biggest St. Patrick's Day parades in America. It's like the second biggest, the Scranton the Scranton uh, um, St. Patrick's Day parade. So big it, celebration of Irish. It's culture.
1: a cultural centerpiece of of uh, in America.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, so it, it's like I, I'm I don't know I don't know how it bled how like the media that portrays these kinds of things how it bled into the individual cultures but i sort of felt it maybe in a tangential way um but i didn't i didn't understand it you know and like that's that's sort of that thing of like i don't understand gangster movies and the, the, the these things I, I just they don't resonate with me i, mm-hmm. I think good is a fantastic movie i'm not intrigued by these characters to go further i don't want to know more you know i don't i i like that everybody gets I, not everybody but i like that a lot of the, the most unsavory people get their comeuppance you know
1: yeah well that's <laughs> it, it it almost always comes around for them yeah you know yeah, exactly and, right. and it, it's part p- of the formula <laughs> yeah well and and you take a look at the really the beautiful montage that the the with Layla playing uh, you know along with it that of of this discovery after the L- Lufthansa heist and uh Jimmy's character or Robert De Niro's character is has gotten so paranoid about everybody you know, spending money and and yeah, yeah, you know, blatantly just calling it out that they're the ones who did this. That was a massive crime. That you know, there he's going around killing all these guys, and this beautiful montage of this discovery of the bodies and in yeah. slow motion, and kids discovering dead bodies in cars and in garbage trucks, and then the the beautiful Larry McConkey cam shot. Uh, you know, going into the freezer truck where we find yeah. our. Our friend mm-hmm. Frankie Carbone uh, hanging there with the meat and just, but I mean, visually stunning, but just so horrifically uh, scary to to live in a world with these characters. Yeah. And even the last shot of Tommy uh, after, the, after the movie's finished, the last shot of Tommy shooting at the cameras just sort of represents that, you know, after Henry has gone into witness protection, he's always going to have to look behind him. There's always going to be somebody like he's always going to feel like someone's behind him gunning after him. Uh and which was also a visual callback to the the great train robbery because of right. course he's a cinephile. Um
3: deals from the best.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How did
2: Henry Hill like never get Like because eventually he came out of
1: Yeah, by this witness point protection right? by nineteen I mean he's
2: there like Yeah. as a as a consultant on the movie like how by does that guy point, not get, you know,
1: whacked? Well, you know, the decline of the Italian mafia through really, really went downhill in the early 80s and mm. kind of throughout the 80s that they were, they had wiped each other out by either killing each other or or turning into government witnesses that they, you know, they really, it was not much left by the time the John Gotti, you know, era was underway. Were, nobody cared. You know, nobody, mm-hmm. cares. supposedly John Gotti was in the bar the night that Billy Bats, uh, the Billy Bats incident happened. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, don't know if that's totally true, but so nobody was really left to care. I mean, at this point, I think Polly had died uh, in 1988 and Jimmy was alive, but he was in prison and there wasn't anybody to care enough to to go after Henry anymore. So mm-hmm. he took his chances and and became a. Kind of a somewhat of a public figure, you know. He was, uh, the, the movie My Blue Heaven, the Steve yeah. Martin Rick uh-huh. Moranis film is classic, kind of like in a weird way. That's the next chapter of Henry Hill's life. He, he's playing Henry Hill, so you could say My Blue Heaven is a sequel to Goodfellas,
3: it's a direct sequel.
1: Direct, I sequel. mean,
3: you would say that. You,
1: you <laughs> I would you say it,
2: yeah.
3: Steve yeah. Martin with his like. <sighs> Is Steve Italian at all, <laughs>
1: or is he Irish? <laughs> the HHCU. Come on, everybody knows it. <laughs> Anything so with Rick
2: Moranis though, like come on. Yeah, I'm in.
1: Um, you know one one shot that I just absolutely love, or one one thing about a lot of Italian mafia movies is anytime there's cooking, like oh, I immediately want to like just to go do the exact same thing. That shot of them sl- when they're in prison and they're slicing the the garlic like every time i do it like i i it's what i think about i got to get it when when
2: he's talking about that garlic and how it and how it dissolves in the yeah in the sauce and it's like man i gotta tell you these last couple weeks as we've been researching and watching this movie getting ready i've I've been cooking a lot of italian
3: food (laughs) i would love a good red sauce right now yeah, good, good meat. Right. Well, meat the, I, he
1: probably gives the recipe in that scene. So yeah, I'm yeah, sure, yeah. I should be... Just got to get That's a razor blade and cut the garlic. Just the thin slices. Of have garlic. you ever cut?
3: Have you ever used a razor blade to cut your
1: garlic? All the time. I did it an hour ago. Did you? No.
3: Okay. I mean, there's fine knives that do it now, but
1: yeah, I know. Yeah.
2: I have not done it either. I would like to because I want to see. It just sounds amazing for to have the garlic mm. dissolve. Yeah, in the, imagine that in the mm-hmm. sauce. My grandmother would call it gravy. But the gravy yeah, yeah. the gravy
3: yeah. i've made two gravies in my life the first one was great the second one was a terrible <laughs>
2: oh no uh, you were not able to recapture the i wasn't the i wasn't I,
3: I was a real success the first time i you know I, cooked, I i think i was it was on the stove for 8 hours or something like that I, you know i was it was an all day affair i felt really proud of it it was great we had pasta then we had like then we had a uh, uh chicken parmesan oh, uh, and like melted the provolone on it and sauce uh, it's great it felt like a girl and i made meatballs oh geez the meatballs were amazing I was right so down to my meatballs. To go cook more italian i yeah. gotta i gotta make meatballs shit <laughs> i i'm not even kidding like i've made a shit
2: ton of italian this like past couple weeks yeah. i yeah. did make meatballs i Good. made meatballs i made keep at it beautiful go
1: um. Yeah, the, the other uh, part of the film that's so amazing is just the visuals, like it's an extremely visual film and part of what gives it that style that separates it from most other mafia films that this, this visual imagery is so strong. And it was heavily influenced by Scorsese really wanted to use that French new wave style from the 60s and took a lot of elements from that. And put it in this film, you know, the narration, the, the, the quick cuts and edits, the freeze frames, um, and, and the way you structure the story, he got a lot of that from, from Jules and Jim in, in starting the story in the middle and then going back to the beginning and telling the story, catching up with the middle and then going to the end. Right. Um, you know, I mean, and and that's, I see... that's why
2: you start this movie at the trunk.
1: Right. The most right. violent part of yeah. the movie. And it's shocking. It's shocking that you start with that brutal of a murder and, right. and then you go back to this, this guy as a kid.
2: Right. But like you said earlier, it, I mean, it is like that murder is the turning point. Like that's their fall from grace. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you start there, you get back to there and then you see the, the falling down the rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and that and that uh, that style. You know, you could see an influence on Tarantino there. That that not knowing where you are in the story when the when the film begins, and then bouncing back and forth. And uh, he got, of course, more intense with it than than Scorsese did. But yeah, you could see the influence there.
2: Well, and the violence too, right? Like the, when you were oh, talking yeah.
1: earlier about
2: like other movies not really having a lot of violence. Like one scene that pops out of my head, which is later was. Was Reservoir Dogs and the and the ear scene and all that like Mm -hmm. I'm like that is very reminiscent to me for for uh, of some of this same same kind of level of of violence.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can see Goodfellas really opening the door for a Reservoir Dogs for sure. Reservoir Dogs, I mean, they shot it uh, the next year, so
3: yeah. Wasn't the the not like Scorsese like as his film student wasn't one of his first things like a, about a guy who cuts his face in a in a mirror or something like that It's like very brutal like razor blades and cuts himself open. I remember a film teacher telling me, and I think could, I could have sworn it was Scorsese.
1: I never, you know, I never saw a lot of Scorsese's short films and his really early work. I think the the first thing I saw was Who's That Knocking on My Door with Harvey Keitel. Mm. Which was which was more of a feature film. And but so I yeah, I I didn't actually catch some of that that early stuff. I think it's I feel like the big like shave. A, the I big feel like shave. there's a, a DVD that has his his shorts on it.
3: Hmm. What is it, yeah. David? The big shave? It's called the Big Shave, yep. Wow. And and I think I was gonna a, say, say
2: it sounds like Henry's
3: portrait of a serial killer, but yeah. <laughs> but uh it's a metaphor <coughs> for the Vietnam War. So uh and then i think it's a guy you just keep anyway doesn't matter but like i i when, but having that described and then like understanding like you know the, he he, there's the brutality that he likes to show there's sort of just a, that raw brutality mm-hmm. in his imagery i just think
2: we just pause for one second while yeah. while we while we embrace the fact that the teacher has or the student has now just become the teacher i want the the what? the amazingness of david pulling out the big shave or whatever as as a reference, I think is pretty fucking awesome.
1: I think we've we've achieved something here. <laughs> something it's like been that. a, a four-year and one episode journey. This is amazing.
3: I got lucky some I got lucky. I was in a film class and, and David, my sophomore year. David and... just
1: David just got his black belt.
3: <laughs> For real, dude. I love it. I don't. I just. I don't know. Like, I, I, but I was like, oh, I don't want to. But when it was described to me, I'm like, I can't see that. I can't watch that. That sounds awful. Like that sounds like the viscerally. Just like I think I would probably dry heave. Watch.
1: <laughs> this is you know this is, David. This has been a setup this whole time. Yeah. Now you're a made guy. You there we just go. Got made. That's right. You there we got go.
3: made. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. But that that that's uh, that's but that's sort of uh, all of that's sort of his yeah he finds those moments right to, yeah yeah That there's nothing stylized about the way he presents violence right it's very brutal no
1: just, a lot of it right. the violence itself is very flat on like you're yeah. just forced to watch that yeah. even when when samuel jackson gets killed you know shot so shot from the back of the head and just that explosion that you see and you can't look at anything else you're stuck yeah. With that. yeah yeah it's Before also
2: you. matter of fact you know like no pulled punches like it's like we're not yeah. We're not giving you a break from this. Like, you're going to have to watch
1: this. Maury's death was always really disturbing to me. That, you know, the, the whole build to, to Maury's death has one of my favorite shots in the movie in it with that slow. There's a song, Sunshine of Your Love, playing by Cream, that's a slow kind of push in on De Niro's face where Henry's trying to, yeah, like you said earlier, delay uh, Tommy from from killing Maury because he liked mori and and uh didn't want to see that happen and you see you know what what tommy's thinking and, and or not tommy what jimmy's thinking and it's just this push in and you just you see him making that decision of nope like this is this is the night i'm going to kill this guy mm-hmm. and then and i just then then they become friends then he and mori are great friends they go out to the car together and and then tommy just like a screwdriver to the back of the neck, like an ice brutal. pick, right? Yeah. An yeah. Ice, it was ice pretty, pick,
2: yeah. pretty damn.
1: I was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. And you don't really see it because it's night and it's dark and, uh, they're inside the car, but you hear it and you know what's happening and it's, it's disturbing, yeah. but there's so many other visual, you know, shots that, um, all the cam work, uh, like we meant, mentioned earlier, the, the Larry McConkie cam shot, who I worked with Larry McConkie and just a fantastic human being, um, you know, into the, the meat truck. But obviously the Copacabana shot is probably the most famous shot from the film. Sure. Where supposedly they weren't, it kind of happened by luck that they weren't able to shoot the front entrance to that location. They couldn't get the permit for that supposedly. So they had, the idea they had of- to go in through the back. They had to go in through the back door and then just, it's, you know, kind of a metaphor for everything being in front of Henry at that point, that mm-hmm. the world is his, everything is, he's just walking straight ahead right into everything as he's you know about to go into this life. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a great, it's a, a brilliant shot that just goes through the whole kitchen and into everything. And, you see i love that moment of it there's that real moment where henry is like talking to somebody or leota is like talking to somebody and he turns and as he turns he like hip checks one of the uh like one of the kitchen counters back there and you can see like that probably really hurt and he just rolled with it you know yeah um it's it's a great moment there and then coming out to the copacabana that beautiful shot of, of the whole room with everybody in it pulling up a table and chairs for him and Karen and right in the front. It was just, uh, yeah. just a, a beautiful, beautiful shot.
3: One, one hell of a, a winner. Yeah. Just One hell of a winner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was great. No doubt. And then the, you know, as the, the movie continues and Henry gets involved with drugs and his life starts to spiral, you know, the, the last portion of the film with his, his, what score says he calls the last, his last day as a gangster uh, where you've got quick cuts all over the place, the, the, everything's speeding up and slowing down, and these kind of flash, you know, flash spin cuts. Um, to yeah, the pacing
2: is super erratic and yeah, just like yeah. yeah, it's helps feed again helps kind of feed that feeling that that uh, you know Henry's losing control and and you know this is slipping away from him.
1: Yeah, as it is. I mean, he's he's let so many other things take priority in his life and he's trying to he's trying to do so many things in that one day and taking care of his brother and and stirring the sauce and the you know dealing with dinner and selling the guns and the doing drugs at his girlfriend's house and like I don't know how you know anybody could do all that in one one day. But um
2: just a yeah, Tuesday.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just a but, Tuesday. but that's a great you know with the music that goes along with it it's just it's all so well put together and well crafted
2: i mean at what point at what point when a helicopter is is following you d do, do you put it together
1: that it's that it's for you i feel he, like i feel like
2: when he jumped in that car like he immediately was like this helicopter's following me
1: yeah and and, he's, and he was right you know he, he was he was trying to he was hoping it wasn't for him, but obviously, you know, they they were on to him at that point. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, we we talked about the actors. There's so much cross pollination between The Godfather and Goodfellas and Sopranos. There's so many familiar faces and actors that show up in multiple versions of those. I think I want to say, I want to say Tony Sirico. Who plays Polly Walnuts on Sopranos <laughs> is the only person to appear in all three.
3: Oh, is he in Godfather? Is that right?
1: He's in he's an extra in Godfather, I, I think Godfather Two.
3: Really? Yeah.
1: I love uh, that. And has a a role in the beginning portion of the movie where where we see a young Henry.
0: And yeah, then, then we don't gone. really
1: see Tony uh, Sirico again in the later part. And then, of course, such a one of the main characters in The Sopranos. But, yeah, right. but you know, I mean, so so many people, including Leota, who was in Many Saints of Newark, and De Niro, who was in The Godfather, and uh, Frank Vincent, who was also in Sopranos, and Michael Imperioli and Lorraine Bracco. And um, a lot of the side characters that you, you kind of meet in wow. passing, you know, show up. Uh, Maury shows up in the Sopranos and was also in, uh, a lot of, a lot of De Niro films. I think they were friends. So, uh, he shows up in, I know he's in the mission and a few other ones. So I,
3: I, if you quizzed me, I would have, I would have sworn that Ray Liotto was in the Sopranos series, but he never, he never was. He was only in the, no, he's in,
1: uh, he is in the film, many saints of Newark, where he plays the, grandfather to michael imperioli's character oh wow yeah when's the sequel to that coming out by the way uh they, are they gonna make, uh, it it's production? questionable if they're actually gonna make one
2: they gotta make one what are you talking about when he like goes like to left the altar second.
1: well it did well and so they were pushing for it and david chase kind of pushed back and uh so it seems like it's you know not dude not if having, they
2: made you know we need if the next generation Make made next that generation. without the intention of making a sequel like
1: i feel like i'm less a fan
3: oh you like they was opening the door to a, a franchise yeah. it, it
1: definitely like, wasn't intended to have a sequel but i, I wouldn't rule it out we'll, we'll have to see it, it might doesn't be one feel of those com- it doesn't feel
2: complete to me like i it just like doesn't feel like it's a finished story well, there...
1: I think you should rewatch the whole series again, and then watch the movie, and then we can talk about it. You
2: and your watch the series <laughs> all the time in my
1: ear. Watch the series. Watch the series. <laughs> uh, we we uh, we talked about this. Uh, the soundtrack just amazing, and and the soundtrack that got released is like probably half the actual soundtrack of the movie. I I uh, I kind of I think in college or or shortly after I, I made my own extended goodfellas soundtrack I'm like there's so so many of the songs i love are not on that soundtrack like all the ones at the end on his last day as a gangster that you know in that whole montage none of those songs are on the soundtrack uh so i had to, had to have them but
2: soundtrack by napster is that yeah, exactly is that,
1: yeah. it yep uh napster of 2000
2: oh my that was that was the year
1: yeah but, uh, but between Derek and the Dominoes and Cream and Harry Nilsson and George Harrison, and then there's classic, you know, classic Italian songs by Tony Bennett and, and uh, you know, then there's Aretha Franklin and the harp tones of Chantels, Sid Vicious at the end with My Way over the credits. Just great, great song to kind of, you know, capture that, uh, that overall tone of what, what Henry's life was like. Right uh just you know there's there's you could go on we we've been talking for for an hour and over an hour and a half on it and i feel like you could go another hour and a half but uh you know maybe now now's a good time i think we should split off and talk about box office glory oh. All right. So here we are. The year is 1990. Goodfellas is released. Martin Scorsese, he needs a big hit uh, after the, you know, putting it all on the line for Last Temptation of Christ. And he needs, he needs some numbers to keep that momentum going. But um, the movie had a $25 million budget. It opened up September 19th, 1990 at number one, Hey, number one against Gene Hackman, *The Hack* and *Narrow Margin*, and a movie called *Funny About Love*, which I am not familiar with. Um, it knocked uh, *Postcards from the Edge* out of the number one spot, uh, but only had a six point three million dollar opening weekend. So, not a huge, uh, huge opening, but I guess that was respectable numbers at at the, in the day. Sure. Uh, ultimately it only ended up with 46.7 domestic and 47 just over 47 million worldwide so not quite doubling their money not quite the financial hit uh, that they wanted but enough to that he could get by with it you know a lot of those films Raging bull and after hours uh, you know those the king of comedy were not he was not a box office sensation at, at that point uh, it wasn't until I mean, years later, probably Casino was uh, maybe Cape Fear, which he'd follow up with, was a box office hit. And then Casino and um, certainly the, the Departed. But uh, yeah, it, it ends up, uh, Goodfellas ends up number 25 of 1990, right in between, get this, Hard to Kill and Look Who's Talking To. Ooh, so hard
2: to kill is that uh, Steven Seagal?
1: It sure is. Sure is. It sure Hell is.
2: yeah! I saw that at the theater. Boom!
1: Oh yeah. All right. That's so uh, Ray Liotta, Henry Hill, and the boys. Uh, they they took down John Travolta, but could not catch up to Steven Seagal in 1990.
2: Nobody could catch up to that ponytail in 1990.
1: And and even Godfather Three uh, outranked it. I think uh, I'm not sure what three was, uh, what number that was, but I know it was ahead of Goodfellas and. You look at it, uh, you know, in present day, and what, what's what like, what do people remember?
2: That's like legacy money, though. That's yeah. why, right? Like, oh, yeah, so much love for the first
1: two Godfather movies. Like, sure, I bet,
2: I bet they made the majority of that in the first couple weeks,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the curiosity factor had to outweigh the, um, you know, the shelf life of Godfather three. So once the word, once the word got on the street, what, what was happening in that movie, that was, that was the end of that. But Goodfellas on the other hand, has a, a huge legacy that will really live, live on forever. I mean, that's, it's not a movie when I watch it now, I just, I don't feel like it's aged. It's, it's, it's timeless, you know? And part of that is, is the, stylization of the, the visual stylization of Scorsese and and his, you know, his creative team that, uh, you know, it sets it apart. It doesn't feel like a movie of the 80s. It doesn't feel like a movie of the 90s. It doesn't even feel like a movie of the 70s, even though it's sort of born out of that. Um, it's just its own, uh, its own film that, that can stand on its own legs and you know, it's life on home video was huge. I mean, so many people bought the VHS. That was when I worked at Suncoast. We've talked about it before, but mafia movies were huge sellers at Christmas time. The Godfathers and Goodfellas being the leaders of it that we would just get boxes of just those movies in. And for some reason, they're great. I guess they're great gifts. You know, like, like all of our friends probably had a copy of Goodfellas sitting around at some point. Yeah. And then it was one of the first DVDs, too, that, that came out as well. Oh, really? Yeah, it was in that. I, I remember when we, we got our first box of DVDs at Suncoast that I was very opposed to even touching.
3: A new format.
2: But oh, good this fellas, is not Laserdisc? Yeah. You mean I don't have to flip this halfway through? Oh, F this technology. Ugh, it's going to ruin movies.
1: You mean this is smaller than 2 by 2
3: <laughs>
2: i
1: I don't want to have it I'm um, a
2: traditionalist yeah. no, thank
1: you uh but yeah so this is one one of the early DVds uh, this
2: u.s marshals and <laughs> yeah. i'm trying to think Raging of all the Bull, like
1: blade Runner color purple it was all Warner brothers yeah. stuff Batman wow. what are the
2: ones what are the ones that they used to give away for free when you would Buy a DVD player. It was like I remember, like the yeah. Fugitive, the Fugitive, and,
1: uh, Lethal Weapon Four. I got for yeah, free Lethal with Weapon mine. Four.
3: Yeah. yeah, I remember in 1996 or 97, a buddy of mine moved. Is their his folks built a house in a different area neighborhood, and they they you know they had some good money. So and then they have like a they got this amazing like TV and stereo system installed. And when I came to visit, and again it was 96, 97, and they were still like whatever systems they bought. It was like, here's Jurassic Park on laser disc. Check out the audio. You've never yeah. heard anything like it. And I'm, and like, and I think back, and I'm like, oh, DVDs were sort of yeah, on the rise at that point, but yeah. st- you know, laser discs were still hanging in there.
1: Like, mm-hmm. oh, they they yeah, they're a still a thing. Yeah,
3: well, John was keeping them
1: alive. I the kept them alive till. Probably about two thousand, then then that was it.
3: Friend of the show, Joe he he uh, <laughs> he was doing yeah. laserdisc until, and he may have said this on one of his appearances, but I mean, he was doing laserdiscs and buying old laserdiscs at least through like two thousand ten.
1: Like, hey, there, <laughs> I play, I played one a couple of years ago, and it they're still fantastic. Look, oh yeah,
3: no, yeah. I mean they're not they're not bad. Like, but it's just a funny thing of like, yeah, the laserdisc is sort of the defining, yeah, thing. Uh, anyway,
1: but um, yeah, the, this uh, film did uh, got six Oscar nominations. Uh, six, for, yeah, six Oscar nominations. Which six? Picture, director, supporting actor for Pesci, supporting actress for Lorraine Bracco, adapted screenplay, and and uh, best editing hmm. with uh, for Scorsese's usual editor, Thelma Schoonmaker, and she was. A great, uh, as we mentioned before, just a huge part of his creative genius also comes from her and uh, constructing the film. But uh, and uh, what did it win? Only one, and that is for Joe Pesci, which which uh, springboards him to really his the rest of his career. Um, the you know this did a lot of good for everybody uh, for all these good fellows. Uh, you know Pesci turns around and Home Alone is the next film then he's got Lethal Weapon 3 and My Cousin Vinny and, which was a huge hit oh and My just, Cousin Vinny yeah I mean you know becomes on. one of the yeah. big stars of the early 90s and reliable at the box office and um, you know De Niro kind of just continues the path he was already on of just uh, you know big movies one of the biggest stars in the country um, you know turns around immediately and works with scorsese again on cape fear so that that collaboration continues and scorsese himself uh does cape fear does the age of innocence uh and then shortly thereafter does casino which is uh sort of a a sister film to goodfellas that if you like one there's probably no reason you won't like the other
2: i love casino
1: there's so many great things about casino and and um, which I'm sure we'll cover here a, a, at some point, but um, you know, De Niro in a bit of a different role in that one.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that's on Hulu right now. Hulu. As of this recording. I should, I should, I should watch Casino.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, it's even more of an epic than than this one. It's it's longer. Yeah. It's you know, it was a double videotape. So, ooh, there
3: you go. like double um, video. yep. Like, uh, oh, what's a, what's another good double videotape? It was a what was one of those any movies? of the
1: godfathers the titanic. Godfather. yeah T- titanic <laughs> titanic yep <laughs>
3: 1997's titanic
1: braveheart braveheart yeah, yeah 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 um ray liotta you know this obviously was huge for him that this springboarded his uh him to a real like leading man essentially after this that uh you know we mentioned a lot of the films he was in but this is really where he took off, and and I feel like, you know, he he probably should have had an Oscar nomination for this as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, most definitely he should have. Yeah, yeah. Again, do we know who did get nominated that year?
1: Uh, no, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, we'll have to pull it we'll up on the Re- that up. Recon, yeah. recon-, recon recon CineWeb the recon, recon-, recon- CineWeb.
2: Recon- <laughs> That took a
1: lot of work. (laughs) Uh, You know, and the influence of of this film goes on for years. And would there have been a Sopranos without Goodfellas? I don't know. You know, it's you have your sort of three leaders of the mafia films where you've got the Godfather one and two, the saga. Mm -hmm. You've got Goodfellas and then you've got the Sopranos, all a little bit different from each other, but each influenced by the other. Obviously. Godfather was first, but... um, Yeah, but I feel
2: like Sopranos is more like a kindred spirit to Goodfellas than it is. Like, I think it's more closely related to Goodfellas than Godfather. Well, I
1: think, I I feel like visually, yes, cast-wise, of course, thematically, it's got a little deeper reaching than Goodfellas and is more along the lines of The Godfather as far as the overall spectrum of it
2: yeah but i mean mean, you're talking would have to see
1: one would have to see it all the way oh my god holy (laughs) fuck! (laughs) this guy
3: this guy i find it funny that you're cursing this out more than i would be
1: i have already i've already uh uh pressured david enough over the years
3: he's been shaming me for six six, i call it i call it
1: pressure not shame it's soprano um, shaming John knows there's
2: no good reason at this point that I
1: haven't seen these we just have it's better watched together and uh, that we haven't been able to wrangle that so
2: I have this uncanny like habit of not finishing TV series like it'll be like my favorite show and it'll come down to the last season and I'll watch like all of it but the last two episodes (laughs)
3: you should do is skip one like in the middle and yeah. then you can watch the finale you know? yeah you should be like yeah. a... uh, important, friend...
1: important stuff doesn't happen in the middle i hate yeah. this to... <laughs> well
3: uh, uh, i keep speaking of him but friend of the show joe setta most things that he's you know kind of always it was in league with uh, or just you know watching all the time he's always sort of missed one episode so like there's like a cheers out there that he's never seen <laughs> like there's and then i think if it comes on he did and it's he's sort like... of like Because it kind of exists. There's still like a new thing he could see if he really wanted to of that thing. Um, Yeah. I'm pretty sure you would have seen all of Sopranos, but you know, a lot, there's a lot of like shows that he might have been devoted to it. Yeah. Just, just, I'm just going to leave that off. And so I sort of see, I sort of get it, Brent. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is. It gets to exist. Yeah. It's like it's
2: not really over because I haven't seen it
3: yet. Exactly. But I would, I, you know, if you find dedicated to something else, maybe just skip, skip to a random one in the middle, and then at least you can end it with everybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's yeah.
4: true. Then
3: but you'll never I've... know what Sam and Norm were getting up to uh, <laughs> that one day. Ah, <laughs> uh, cheers, man. Can we do a that's cheers fun. podcast?
1: We'll the, do a the... cheers sidecast. Yeah. All right.
3: Great. Perfect. Um,
1: Amen. So back <laughs> to Goodfellas, though. So where do you guys feel like this ranks in Scorsese's? works that that you've seen that you've seen and we haven't all seen every one of his. i haven't seen a
3: lot of it i've seen some yeah uh this gotta be up there right like it's gotta be like kind of tops tops fives tops threes tops tops five
1: i I feel you know i there's so many there's There's so so many many. great ones i would say absolutely top three i would say for me arguably this would be number one just for because of the mixture of it like there's some of the other ones that we've talked about, King of Comedy and After Hours, are so more artistically based than pure entertainment value, whereas this kind of kind of nails all of it. And even A Raging Bull, like I think Jake LaMotta is a very difficult character to watch over and over and over, as beautiful as the film is, uh, he's an aggravating character. Um, so Goodfellas is probably number one for me.
2: Nice, man. I. It's definitely top five, one hundred percent. Uh.
1: What else would be in that top five?
2: King of Comedy. I mean, that one's like late. Discovery. Yeah, but i yeah. really, really enjoyed that it's good movie. Um, I love The Color of Money. Uh, oh, yeah uh casino is there um i would i really like shutter island too i know it's not a lot of people's favorite interesting wolf of, wolf of wall street is another one that i really really like um but your it's,
1: classics taxi driver and uh and and raging bull
2: i think they're both fantastic but like i don't go back wanting to re-watch those like right. taxi driver like I think I've seen twice in my life and it's enough. Like, I think it's fantastic. I get it, Mm -hmm. but I don't need to go see it again. Raging bull. I do like, and I should probably watch more, but I don't, I don't, when I'm, when I'm in the mood for a Scorsese movie, it's not the thing that I go and grab immediately.
3: You you throw in the departed. You have a good time. (laughs) I mean, I love The Departed for I, sure. I get the sense that people don't like The Departed for some reason, and I'm like, "This is a great movie.
2: Yeah. I loved I, it. <laughs> I think
3: it's, I think it's really good.
1: It's really solid, right?
3: Yeah,
2: I, yeah. I don't think it's in my it's top like, five,
1: but I, I no. think it's really good. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, I, I think it's, it is really good. Obviously, he got the Oscar not only for that, but as sort of a, a career good yeah. for, yeah, uh, over the, his career. But, um, yeah, I, I, that's a top ten for me.
3: You know, with Alec Baldwin's Boston accent, it's a little tough to deal with. Yeah, Other he's got some that. great
1: dialogue in it, though. But the, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got. Patriot I mean, um, sorry. Oh no, I,
2: you're good. I was just gonna say, of the list that I threw out there, that was in no particular order. It was just, you yeah, know, like those just, are kind of my favorites. And as we sit here, and as we've been looking through them, I'm like, man, I really need to go back and watch Gangs in New York again because it's. Lately, a lot of people have been telling me how much they really like that one, mm-hmm. and when I first saw it I can't say that I was like blown away by it like it got I think a little long winded for me but yeah
1: I, I wanted to like it more than I did but um, yeah well either way you know Goodfellas is up there it's it's a film sure. that should be studied it should be taught in film schools yeah. it is That's, it better better be better it be. is uh, it's a
2: master class in filmmaking
1: it is, yeah, it is, and and you know the really the the role of, of Ray Liotta's career, and just to circle back to to what what brought us here is, um, you know, if you want to see peak Liotta, this is the film. There's lots of other Liotta to watch. There's lots of other great roles. Uh, we talked about them back in the beginning of the episode, but uh, you know, this is probably the the peak. Um, the closest he'd get to, you know, the Oscar world, which I think mattered a little bit more back then than it does now. Um, you know, he he was kind of firing on all cylinders. So uh, this is this is really one one to see, and and we're gonna we're gonna miss Ray Liotta and and what he what he brought to the table on all the films he was a part of, and uh, we are we are saddened uh, that he is no longer with us, but we will always have these uh this film and his others to look back on so and we're not done there's plenty more ray liotta films that we're going to talk about but uh we wanted to uh for our season five premiere we wanted to talk about uh the biggest and arguably the best so um thank you ray liotta thank you martin scorsese for this wonderful gift you've given all of us in good good absolutely but uh and uh and that i think that's going to wrap it up any any other final thoughts on goodfellas Go check it out if you haven't seen
3: it. Uh, check it out. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, big shout uh, to Kevin Corrigan as uh, Mike, as brother Michael. I, you know, I forgot. I didn't know. I like Kevin Corrigan as an actor and all that. Yeah. And I'm watching that. And I'm like, is that Kevin Corrigan? Like, I, I figured, I think he in my head he's perpetually 30 years old, 30 to 50 years old. But of course not. And like you know, but it I was just, But it, yeah, that was him. And then of course you've got your uh, your Debbie Mazar and your Elena Douglas. Uh, nice to see them. Didn't realize they were. I forgot they were in the movie. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, been enjoying so, them yeah, for Douglas, decades. Who was,
1: uh, you know, kind of the queen of the indies. Her and Michael Imperioli were just all over the indies of the uh, of the '90s, really.
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh, really cool. And I mean, there's just as you know, we couldn't go through the whole cast, but it just what a loaded film. And just uh, I was really, I'm really glad that like. the that just the size of it you know it had this just, just this it's this container of this world and he peppered it in so colorfully and had all the right people in it and,
1: mm-hmm. you know
3: so just you know among those as well just because we hadn't mentioned them
1: uh i want to give out a shout yeah nice good good call good call but uh yeah that's that's gonna wrap it up and uh okay. thank you guys for Thank you guys for uh, joining us and we've got a, a, a great uh, season five coming up. we got a lot of fun films we're going to be looking at. Uh, stay tuned. You can check us out on social media at Podcast on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and, and Facebook and our website at Reconcidimation.com. A uh, quick thank you to uh, some of our friends and check out their podcasts. EK Wimmer is back with Laser Graves. Whoa. Laser Graves has returned from their hiatus as well so uh check them out anywhere you get your podcasts and joe setta a friend of the show as well has his podcast that happened one year where they're looking at all things 1967 so uh give that (laughs) show a shot as well it's a it's a educational and fun time uh so and and thank you to our friend curtis moore for the poster and uh we appreciate all of you guys who listen to the show and uh we've we've had a great year already and we're looking forward to more uh, we've got a good lineup coming this summer, and uh, that's going to about wrap it up. David, are you are you going back into witness protection? You think there's anybody else after you, or are you you good? I think
3: I'm okay right now, but you know I'm ready to, to just jump right back in uh, once you know. But I think again, like I said, all my enemies are dead, so okay. it, it, right. it should be fine. Okay, hopefully be there's fine. no hopefully there's no vengeful relatives of those people,
1: but we'll see. Then just just keep the podcasting going. No no harm in that.
3: I could still do a podcast from my remote location in Montana.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, guys. And we will see you next time on Reconsinimation. Take care.
4: Bye now.
0: Everything is different. There's no action. I have to wait around like everyone else. Can't even get decent food. Right after I got here, I ordered some spaghetti with marinara sauce, and I got egg noodles and ketchup. I'm an average nobody. I get to live the rest of my life like a schnook.